joining us here at Delta Church. I'm excited to worship with you this morning. Uh, now's the time. If you want to go ahead and start finding your way to a seat, we're going to get started here in just a couple minutes. Good morning, Delta. Good morning, good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. Uh, if you're a regular attender member, welcome. If this is your first time with us, 
welcome uh, especially. Uh, we as Christians, we live lives of worship. So as we go about our day, every day, we're attributing worth to something and we're, we're worshiping. Um, we worship the Lord throughout, uh, throughout the week, but on Sunday mornings we come together as a community and we worship the Lord together. We hear from, from God's word and we give thanks to the Lord. I'd like to remind us, uh, remind myself more than anything, as we, as we gather together and we worship, we worship the Lord for a couple reasons, many reasons, but two I like to remember is who God is and what he's done. So who God is, who is God? God is the creator of everyone and everything. He's worthy of our worship. He's holy, he's righteous, he's good. And what has he done? Well, he has created, he sustains us, and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us, to forgive us of our sins. So as we worship this morning, Delta, I want those things to be on our minds, that we are attributing worth and value to the Lord because of who he is and what he's done. As we begin our time together, I'd like to uh, have a call to worship. So would you stand with me? And I'll read the call to worship. <clears throat> oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Let's worship Delta. solid ground the Lord is my salvation I will not fear when darkness falls His strength will help me scale these walls and see the dawn of the rising sun the Lord is my salvation and who is like the Lord our God strong to Oh 
approach the throne of glory nothing in my hands I bring but the promise of acceptance from a good and gracious King give to you my burden as you give to me your strength come and fill me with your spirit as I give to you this praise and you deserve the greater my voice to the king in need of nothing empty handed I rejoice and you deserve the greater glory overcome with joy I see I am accepted You're a good and gracious King And oh, what grace that you would see me And as your child and as your friend Safe, secure in you forever. I pour out my praise again. You deserve the greater glory. Overcome, I lift my voice to the King in need of
Selfishly, I just kind of want to hear us sing that holy, holy one more time. So sing with just the voices. I was uh, reading in a little book, Gentle and Lowly. If you're not reading it yet, pick it up. I was reminded of this truth. That when we come to Christ for his hope and his love, but we come with our anguish, our perplexity, our sinfulness, in that we are not going against the flow of Christ's deepest wishes. Rather, we are we are going with the flow of his deepest wishes. And that is to say that like we, we can build this up in our mind, this thing called confession, that we have to come with, with our most contrite hearts, that we have to really lay it out on the line, and that this is a burden to Christ to come and again, and here we go, to forgive this sinner again. That is not the Christ that we worship. Our physician, our great physician aims to heal our Savior aims to save, to reconcile us to the Father. This is his great desire for us, that we would be loved by the Father and friend of his. And so come in that spirit, church. Know that and come with confidence to this time of confession. I'll begin this this week in a responsive prayer. Father, you are faithful when we lack faith. You are steadfast when we waver. You forgive us when our minds are set on earthly things rather than you. Would you read with me? Forgive us when we are ungrateful and unmindful of the precious blood of Jesus that covers us in his righteousness 
and presents us blameless before the throne. Hear these words. Help our distracted and divided hearts. We ask the Holy Spirit to help our hearts overflow with confidence and thankfulness in the sufficiency, the sacrifice of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Would you read with me? Help us to meditate on our mediator, hold fast to the truth that is in Jesus, and stand firm in the finished work of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.
hear these words from Hebrews 10, 19 through 23, and be assured. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened us, opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let us draw near with true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Be assured, you may be seated. Amen. Thank you, band. This time is our service where uh, for the past year or so we haven't done this, but we would take an offering. This is a reminder you can uh, give online or there's boxes in the back uh, of the sanctuary and a box in the, the back of the basement. If this is your first time with us or if you've never filled one of these out, I have in my hand here a, a Connect card. Um, we have those on the table in the foyer. If you would fill one of those out, let us know how we can get in contact with you. Uh, we'd love to, to say hello answer questions you have about Delta, see how we might be able to serve you or pray for you. As far as announcements go, we have four this morning. Um, And I was thinking, like, uh, the announcements take up a lot of real estate, like on the paper I'm reading from, and I'm like, I always have to think, man, people, I don't know if they like hearing announcements, but the reason we have announcements in the middle of the service, around the time where we take offering, is oftentimes you'll see in an announcement how you might be able to serve so when we take an offering, you're giving of your, your money. Uh, when we talk about announcements, that's ways that you can give with your time. So it's, it's very important, um, not just the listing of things, but, but be praying and thinking, how might be, I be able to, to be involved with what's going on? And, and the first is this, is we have a men's book study coming up uh, starting this Tuesday. Um, Dan Hartman has study guides this morning, if you're interested. They're $10 a piece. Um, if you want to reserve one, uh, you can uh, see the men's channel in Slack. Uh, second, I mentioned this uh, last time I was up here. Uh, if you would register for the Sunday service, um, you can do that on Slack. Uh, if, if this is your first time here or you're, you're a visitor or just checking us out, don't worry about that. But if you're a regular attender, just let us know you're going to be here. That way we can um, watch our capacity. Uh, third is the family commitment ceremony on June 20th. Um, This is a time where we invite families who've had recent births in their family to come forward uh, for a time of a public commitment. And that commitment is twofold. One, it's a commitment uh, for the parent to to raise the child in the fear, the understanding, and the knowledge of the Lord. And it's a commitment for us as a church uh, to where we see these parents up here uh, with little kids. And as a church, we're saying, yes, we will help um, raise those children in the fear and instruction of the Lord. I know for me personally, that's been huge for my family, Uh, my kids being around other believers, um, just seeing how believers act, what they do, what they say, uh, how they love the Lord. Um, So that's June 20th. If you uh, want to be involved in that, um, check that out on Slack. And fourth, Delta in the Park coming up June 11th and July 16th uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. More details will come. That's a time where we as Delta just can be in the park, uh, a public presence, 
in the community, uh, hanging out, um, enjoying fellowship with one another, and um, you know, hopefully that that's sometimes unique these days. Um, so hopefully, people who don't know uh, the Lord will 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 see that. Uh, why do all these people like each other, and what's that about? Um, I hope you we like each other. I know we do. Um, but uh, but you know that could be a, a way to uh, to share the gospel. As far as our pastoral prayer is concerned, we pray for uh, for something local, for something national, and then something on the global scale. Locally, we're going to be praying for our neighborhood. Uh, we all find ourselves in a neighborhood where we live. Uh, we're going to be praying that we would be bold witnesses in that neighborhood. We're going to be praying for a, uh, a church plant in St. Louis, Missouri that you've heard about. Uh, Josh Wilson is the church planter down there, Storyline Church. We're going to be praying for, for them. Uh, they have a couple specific prayer requests. Um, they are um, they're praying about a music leader and a kids leader uh, before their hard launch on September 12th. And um, they're also going to be doing uh, intentional community outreach for the next, next five months. And then on the global scale, we're going to be praying for the persecuted church. We in America have a luxury of being able to come and worship uh, in public without fear of persecution. And that's not the case globally, so we're going to be praying for them. Uh, if you would, pray with me. Lord, you are good. You're holy, you're righteous, you're all-knowing, you're all-powerful, you're all-present. And Lord, you are merciful and loving and gracious. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we praise you for who you are. Lord, we realize that we do not deserve your love. We do not deserve your grace, your mercy. So, Lord, humbly we come and we thank you for that. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Thank you for building your church. Thank you for putting us in a context where we have other believers in our lives that can point us to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for everything, Lord. Father, I pray for those in our neighborhood, those around us, that they would come to know you, that they would see that something is different, and that would bring about a conversation. I pray that we would be salt and light in our communities, in our neighborhoods. God, I pray that you would help us to be bold witnesses who, who talk about you, who, who are not ashamed, but we open our mouths and, and tell our neighbors about your love, your mercy, your goodness, and that there can be salvation found in you. There is salvation found in you. Lord, help us to have that on our lips, in our neighborhoods. Lord, for Storyline Church, I pray for Josh. I pray that you would help him to be uh, a bold and courageous preacher of your word. Would he remain true to your word? And Lord, would you help their church? I pray that you would give them wisdom in uh, thinking through how to structure their church, who's going to lead the kids, who's going to lead worship, uh, in the music ministry. God, I pray for their outreach over the next five months. And Lord, I pray that you would um, bring about a revival there in their community. I just pray that you would strengthen them, give them boldness and courage. And Lord, if it's your goodwill that people come to know you through Storyline Church, I pray that your will be done. 
And God, I pray for my brothers and sisters around the world who can't do this. I can't even imagine, Lord. I pray that you would give them unity with one another. I pray that you would give them favor in their neighborhoods. I pray that you would help them. Help them to remain true to you, true to your word. Give them boldness, courage, and increase their faith. And I pray for the rulers and authorities in those lands, in our land here, Lord, that you would give them wisdom and you would help them to govern in such a way so that we might live godly, peaceable, quiet lives in the Lord, in you, Lord. Father, I pray for my brother Tom, who's going to be preaching this morning. Pray that you would give him boldness, courage. Pray that your power would rest upon him. And I pray for us as Delta, that you would change our hearts for the preaching of your word. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I'd like to dismiss uh, uh, those families going down to the nest, zero through two. Uh, the Barnett's and the Henry's are going to be down there. Um, you can RSVP on Slack for that as well, but I think we've got some openings. So if you desire your child to go down there, uh, they will be in the basement in the nest room. I'm going to invite Don to come up read our scripture this morning. Thank you, Don. Good morning. <clears throat> Today's passage comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And if you're following along in the Black Pew Bible, that's on page 941. Please stand with me as I read God's word. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This is God's word. You may be seated. I uh, want to introduce, the, the man probably needs no introduction. <laughs> Behind me is Tom Cheshire. Uh, Tom's one of the elders here. Yes, uh, thank you whoever whistled. Um, <laughs> do you get much many, fan. Do you get many whistles? <laughs> no. no. One, one whistle. Um, Tom's a dear brother, one of the most generous men I know. Um, he loves the Lord, loves the Lord's word, and um, I'm thankful for you, and I'm looking forward to this morning. So uh, church, be blessed by our brother Tom. Well, good morning. We are, as Brian said and Don just read, um, in the book of Hebrews, so if you haven't been here for a couple of weeks. We started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and in case you're wondering why Pastor Jonathan is sitting here and not preaching, he's uh, on vacation. So enjoy your last day of vacation. So let me uh, kind of recap the first two messages, one that we heard from Pastor Jonathan and one that we heard from Brady last week. Um, a couple of my key takeaways from their messages were... Um, from Jonathan's message was there will be no fuller revelation of God than in Christ Jesus, and Jesus is better, 
And as you can see, that's the name of the sermon series, Jesus is Better. From Brady's, Jesus is superior to created angels, and angels surround the throne, but Christ sits on it. So chapter one basically sets up the author um, for his first and most foundational warning and encouragement by declaring who Jesus is. He's superior and his authority knows no bounds. And he is making what I believe is the most important argument here in these first four verses of chapter two that precedes and supersedes all the other arguments and encouragements and warnings that will be given throughout the rest of the book of Hebrews. And without heeding this warning today, the rest are insignificant. Because the one today is that we cannot neglect Jesus or the gospel without eternal peril. So let's pray. God, help me. God, help us to hear from you today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be doing a work in me and in us today through your word. That, Lord, if we are drifting, that you would wake us from that drift and that you would moor us to your son, Jesus, and his great salvation. Lord, would you use my imperfections to make much of you today, and that you will be glorified by the transformation of our hearts. And we ask to accomplish your will today, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we just heard the text from Dawn, which, by the way, did anybody notice the speed at which she read it? Did it seem a little slower? That wasn't by her design. That was by my request for her to do that. So thank you, Dawn. You did a great job of that. But the idea was is that we would listen because that's what we're going to hear today, that this is um, what he is first and foremost going to tell us that we need to do. But I did that for the purpose of just kind of seeing how we react to when you read scripture slowly, you absorb it more deeply. And so that was the intent of asking Don to do that. So the main idea today is Jesus is greater, therefore must not neglect his great salvation. So let me lead us into point one, which is listen closely. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. So verse 1 starts off with the very first word, therefore, and it has a comma. You have heard Pastor Jonathan, you've heard others remind us what this word means, right? That we know that it is directing us back to what was just previously said, either in the past passage or in this case, the past chapter of chapter 1. He wants us to go into this passage today remembering what we've just heard in chapter 1. He wants us to go in preloaded with who Jesus is. He's greater than angels. He's equal to God. In the Old Testament, God spoke to his people through the prophets, mediators, if you will. But now God has spoken to his people by his son. You see that in Chapter 1, verse 2. And Brady did a great job last week establishing his equality to God and his power and authority. 
And that's what our author wants us to do as he says, therefore, he wants us to take that information from chapter 1, Jesus is better, and remember it as we head into this most important command and warning. And he goes on to say, okay, remembering what he said, therefore, what we heard last two weeks, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. So if I had to boil this verse down to a word, I would say it is the word listen. And it's not a mild listen, but rather an emphatic listen, an urgent listen. He's pleading with us to listen to what he is saying and to remember what we've heard. He's saying this as if it's life or death, because it is. His first command is not to labor with Jesus, but rather is to listen to Jesus. Much as the same as Jesus' transfiguration where God audibly speaks and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. We are all listening to something or someone. The question is, Who and what are we listening to that most impacts our daily life? Is it social media, your news feed, or God's word? Our author is pleading us with his people and with us that we need to be listening to Jesus and remembering what we heard. It's kind of like when you're, there's a lot of parents here. Some of you have children that have reached the age to where you've given them the instructions on how to cross the street, right? It's life or death. You teach them to look both ways, to look several times before they step off the curb, right? You don't want them to just casually listen to you when you're giving that instruction. That's what the author here is doing. He's not wanting us to just casually listen to what he's saying. He's wanting us to pay full attention. So I was in the Marine Corps. If you didn't know that, you do now. Probably explains a lot of to you if you didn't know that as to who I am and why I am the way I am. <clears throat> but as I was preparing for this, I was actually thinking about this whole idea of listening. Uh, and it, I thought back to boot camp. And for some of you, you've been in boot camp. For some of you, you've maybe seen movies like Full Metal Jacket or something that depicts boot camp and you you get the idea. Um, but the, the essence of boot camp really is that there's a lot of yelling, there's a lot of orders, there's a lot of commands being thrown out. But the drill instructor is really wanting you to listen. And he is wanting you to listen and obey. Um, because obedience saves your life and saves the lives of other Marines and other soldiers not listening, not paying attention, not obeying, costs you your life and the lives of others. So again, this is the essence of what the author is teaching us and telling us here in Hebrews chapter two, verse one, that we must pay much closer attention because it is about eternal life for eternal death. 
And he knows what he is about to share is the only hope for the suffering that is coming their way. He also knows that those who don't listen closely will face even a grimmer future, namely eternal separation from God. But there's something else in this passage that I need to call out before we go too much further, and that's the the word we. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. You see, the pastor, the, the author of Hebrews, is not preaching to his people. He's preaching to himself first and then to the people. He is including himself in this warning, in this command for him to listen, for him to heed. And so that is the way anybody that prepares to preach, um, the message is first for you, the preacher, and then for the recipients. This is modeled for us here in Hebrews. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard. What we have heard is his way of reminding his people about the ministry and message of Jesus Christ. This is specifically pointing to the good news of the gospel. Jesus is superior and so therefore is his message. It saves us. It rescues us from death to life. The reality is the gospel isn't just good news, it is the greatest news. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. The gospel changes everything. He is reminding himself, his people, and us that we must remember this above all. And they, as well as us, need to press into the gospel at all times. But certainly in suffering, Christ and the gospel is the only balm that soothes us to our souls. So you hear this word, the gospel. You've heard it a lot here. God, man, Jesus, response. We've even gone through this in six weeks or more in our community groups where we've pressed into this idea of the gospel. What we're hearing today is the essence of Jesus and the response. We've been very intentional about studying and focusing on this, um, and that's why we're zeroing in today, why I'm zeroing in today on the gospel. Why is our author making such a big deal of this first point in his sermon to people? Why is he exhorting them to remember what they've heard? Because he knows all believers are prone to drift. And we see that at the end of verse 1 lest we drift from it. And that takes us into point two. Heed the warning. Because he's aware of the drift from the gospel that has already occurred, there are already false teachers. They're already teaching a false gospel. And we are literally just decades from Jesus's earthly ministry. We didn't even have denominations then. Everybody was Baptist and we still (laughs) fallen off. I'm kidding. Drifting is the fight of sanctification. That's what that is. Sanctification, big church word that we use that is really just maturing. We sang about it, we've read about it. Maturing in Christ, becoming more like Christ. That's the process from once we put our faith in Jesus till the day we go home or the day he comes. 
It's ongoing. But the drift is the fight of sanctification. It's the, it's the constant fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Either way, we are listening to the Son and walking in his word or walking in the spirit, as the Bible calls it, or we are drifting away from biblical thinking and getting carried away by the cultural confusion of our day. It was true back in Hebrews' time. It's even more true today. Galatians 5.17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. He's also very aware that in Scripture, what they call Scripture, what we call the Old Testament, there had already been drift in that. Moses drifted. David drifted. Abraham drifted. These are the heroes of the faith that we're going to hear about in later in the book of Hebrews. So he is a keenly aware of the effect of drift, even through the Old Testament scriptures. Drifting is never good. Never good. And no one ever drifts to God. The word drift is from a nautical imagery, if you will. A ship coming loose from the mooring and being swept away by the current and the winds. Drifting off course, not making its intended port. Ships that are adrift run aground or they sink. Nothing ever could comes from a ship adrift. And again, just from my background, I think of things in aeronautical terms. Imagine that. But I think of Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan, who took off from a little island called New Guinea to try and land on an even smaller island in the middle of the Pacific. They drifted off course. They were never seen nor heard from again. Drifting is never good. Verse 2 lets us know that there's no escape from this drift. Should we neglect Jesus and what we've heard? For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape? Again, Brady brought up the lesser to greater argument. This is that same kind of argument where we see that the angels, who they're referring to here bringing the Old Testament law, when Moses received it on Mount Sinai, you can see that in Exodus 19 and 20. Um, there's direct reference to Deuteronomy 33.2 where it's talking about the angels. Paul talks about it in Galatians 3.19. But the law was delivered by angels. And disobedience to the law carried punishment up to and including death. Then so will neglecting Jesus and the gospel carry even greater punishment. And he told us how to fight this drift in this passage as well, though. He said to pay much closer attention to what we've heard. He was reminding them to remember the true gospel and to hold fast to it and obey Jesus' teaching. For us today, we would echo the same hope. 
However, we have what I consider to be a huge advantage, and that is this. We have the entire Bible, Old Testament to New. We have the whole story, if you will, that we need to hold to. What's our author warning us that the drift is from? Not only that we've heard the teachings of Jesus, but more importantly, the great salvation that Jesus offers. Let me state this truth plainly as possible. It means the salvation is neglected. There is no way to avoid the judgment of God. Which takes us to our third point. Remember our great salvation. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and attested to by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. He is building this message to this very point about the great salvation that we've, they and we have received through Jesus Christ. The new covenant that was ushered in by Jesus And he started by saying, remember who I said Jesus was back in chapter 1, right? That was his whole listen. And he warns us not to drift because those who neglect the law receive just punishment. How much more those who neglect the gospel will receive punishment? I want to make a point, though. He's not diminishing the law here. He's not saying the law isn't important and the law doesn't have value. Not so. But he is saying if we, if that was delivered by angels and we neglect it and there's punishment, then the message that was delivered by Jesus, if we neglect it, there is an even greater punishment. He is literally declaring our eternal destinations. Believe who Jesus is, trust in what he says is true, eternal life. Reject Jesus and the gospel, eternal death, separation from God. The law, you see, could not and cannot save. Only Jesus can save us. I like the quote from one of the commentaries that we used to prepare for this, and it said, Christ's saving work is not a piece of emotional pageantry rescuing men from nothing in particular. Jesus' salvation, Jesus' saving work is literally rescuing us from eternal separation from him. How do we know that this is, the law is important? I'll just go back to Matthew 5, 17, this fairly clear passage where Jesus is speaking and he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So we know that the Old Testament law was important. It points out our sin. It points out our need for a savior. They established the whole Old Testament sacrificial system based on this need of the law that could not be filled. 
but they had to repeat it every year. Jesus comes once, is a great sacrifice, is a great salvation for all. Remember, he's letting his people and us know that there was punishment for neglecting the law. There's a greater cause for neglecting the gospel. How shall we escape? Charles Spurgeon, who's one of my favorite old dead guys, I'll quote a couple times here. Spurgeon said to this question, let that question ring in your ears. How shall we escape? There will be no escape. There can be none if we refuse the Lord Jesus Do we mean to be lost? Dare we continue to neglect the great salvation? The gospel message is greater because it's from a greater giver and it has greater confirmation. And it's obvious that turning from it certainly means greater punishment. The reality is that drifting has existed since the fall, quite honestly, if we think about it. Adam drifted. He drifted from his responsibility in the garden. And that ushered in sin for all mankind. But Jesus ushered in salvation for those who would believe. We see this in Romans 5.19. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. I would argue that we have even more distractions today than they did back then. Maybe, maybe not. It certainly seems that way to me. It's even easier for us to drift, for us to be distracted from the great salvation, from the gospel message, from God's word. So then... It ends with this kind of exclamation point of how we know this information that our author here in Hebrews 2 is giving us is valid. Again, I'll quote Spurgeon first and then I'll, I'll get into this. Spurgeon says about this particular passage, those who doubt the truth of the gospel or say they do are often found believing historical statements that are not half as well proved. A man sight down and read the book of the Gallic Wars, and he believes that Julius Caesar wrote it, yet there is not half or a tenth as much evidence to prove that he did write it as there is to prove that our Lord Jesus lived, died, and rose again. So we see in verse 4 that he gives an order of, I'll say, importance, He starts first with, it was declared at first by the Lord, by Jesus himself. And again, we heard Brady make the connection that's God talking to God. So this is God talking to us directly through his son. And then it was attested to by those who'd heard. Again, the author is putting himself in this category that he's heard from these individuals who's heard. He wasn't a first-hand eyewitness of Jesus's ministry, but he's heard from the apostles and others who were um, first-hand recipients of Jesus's message and ministry. 
And then he goes on to say, if that wasn't enough, God also bore witness by signs and wonder and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed by his will. So first he declares the Lord himself. God has spoken to us by his son. Again, that's chapter 1, verse 2 in Hebrews. God isn't using a mediator in this particular case. This is God using God, his son, his equal, to speak. Now, he does become our mediator in heaven, but in this particular case, this is God directly speaking to us, not as a mediator. And we could really stop there, couldn't we? I mean, Jesus has said this, and Jesus is the son of God. Couldn't we stop there? I would think that's good enough for me but not good enough for the author of Hebrews. He goes on and says that they've heard from eyewitnesses who saw and touched Jesus. One of the passages that I share quite frequently with people, especially those who are questioning the validity of who Jesus is, is 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says this, that which was from the beginning, Jesus, which we have heard with our ears, which we have seen with our eyes, making them eyewitnesses, which we have looked on and have touched with our own hands concerning the word of life. Again, Jesus, the life was made manifest and we have seen it. And we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you, so that we might have fellowship with them. Oh, you need a little more proof? Okay. God himself bore witnesses with signs, wonders, and various miracles. God himself testifies to the veracity of the gospel. Let us not misunderstand the purpose of these miraculous works, though, lest we think they're about them. The miraculous and the miracles don't exist for their own sake. They don't ultimately point to themselves. What they do, indeed, is in the New Testament... The miracles confirm the truth of the identity and the work of Jesus Christ. So, cherry on top, the Holy Spirit distributes gifts to the church and to her people. Folks, that's the Trinity right there. We've seen God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we need to be aware, all of us here today, that we're prone to drift from that good news. I'm 66 years old and I am prone to drift. Hope that's not discouragement, but just reality that it, the proneness to drifting doesn't end this side of heaven. It's why we place a high value on community here at Delta. That's why we use family language. We need each other to fight against the drift. 
We preach the good news of the gospel every Sunday. Because we fight here on Sundays against the drift. We gather in community groups once a week to confess when and how we are prone to drift and that we need one another to moor us to the good news of Jesus Christ. It's why we meet in small discipleship groups, two or three, to be even more connected to a brother or a sister, to fight, to keep ourselves moored in his word. So here's how we'll end. The question for today for us to think about is this. What is my relationship with Christ like? Am I securely moored to him and to the gospel? Or am I adrift, neglecting him and his great salvation? I'll repeat that. What's my relationship with Christ like today? Am I securely moored to him and to the gospel? Or am I adrift and neglecting him and his great salvation? If today you find yourself securely moored to the good news of the gospel, and you're reading, and you're meditating, and you're praying, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his great mercy and grace for you right now. But be watchful where and when you might be susceptible and prone to drift. Confess that. Encourage someone today on how the gospel has transformed your heart. So maybe you're here today and you put your faith and trust in Christ, but you realize after hearing this message about drifting from the great salvation that you have and are adrift from the gospel and the truth, and that you are neglecting it. My plea to you today would be confess that to someone and to the Lord, and that you would repent and drop your anchor in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remember, Jesus is better and the gospel is sufficient. And lastly, maybe you're here today and you've never put your trust in faith in Jesus or the gospel and his great salvation. Good news, you're here today. Good news, you're hearing this today. That's not my mistake. The Holy Spirit is working in you right now. Don't neglect this great salvation. Like our author, I am exhorting you today to pay close attention to what you have heard, first from Jesus, then from his word and God himself. Attest to the miracles of salvation. Your eternity rests on how you respond. Please don't neglect this great salvation 
that Jesus offers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for this great salvation that we have through you. Lord, I would ask that you would just help me and help each of us as we see and read and hear your word today that it would move us, move us to trust you more or trust you for the first time. Holy Spirit, I am asking that you would continue to do the work in my heart and the hearts of those who have put their faith and trust in you to fight against this drift. To not be swept away by the cultural chatter that we are in, inundated with in day and day. That you would keep us moored in your word. That you would help us to see the world through the lens of your word. Lord, I thank you for being in our midst this morning. We're going to ask all these things, not to make much of me, not to make much of this church, but to make much of you and your great salvation. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tom. It's the point in our service where we celebrate communion. Um, you'll find in the, the back there's little pre-packaged um, cups. There's a little wafer in there. Um, that wafer symbolizing bread, symbolizing our Lord's body, Jesus Christ's body, the little cup of juice representing Christ's blood. Communion is a time where believers in Christ take the communion. When they chew the bread, they remember that, that Jesus Christ, his body died. When you drink the juice, you remember that Jesus shed his blood for our forgiveness. It's something that believers do. If, if you're not sure about Jesus or Christianity or you're still working through uh, who Christ is, we just ask that you sit, listen to the, the music, ponder Tom's sermon. But if you're a believer in Christ, this is for you. I'm going to read from Matthew. This is Jesus as, as he was uh, eating with his disciples. Matthew records this. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Believer in Christ, as you're taking communion, remember our Lord's death. He was there willingly for you to save you from your sins. His blood saves you from your sins. So remember Christ's death, but look forward to what we just heard Jesus saying that he's going to eat with us in his Father's kingdom. So it's looking forward to a better time. As we take this communion, remember the Lord's death. Look forward to when we're with him in his kingdom.
realize we might have run out of communion. Does anyone need communion? Great, we didn't run out. Okay. I'm going to make my way to some communion in case we need more. Actually, there's some in the back. Sorry to interrupt everything. <laughs> Don't want anyone to go without communion if you want it. It's no problem. We're just about to sing anyway. Why don't y'all go ahead and uh, stand up and worship with us as we close out this morning.
Amen. Well, Delta, we exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples, so go forth this week holding fast to the Lord and the great salvation we have and telling others about the good news of Jesus Christ. Hear this benediction from the book of 1 Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Go in peace.